Hello, everyone, and welcome to Requiem Radio. I'm glad to be hosting today. Unfortunately, my partner, Hazy Dialects, is a bit under the weather, so he's not going to be able to make it this one. But we have today with us a huge Spider-Man fan who's going to be discussing that today, ranging from the video games to the comics and expanding more upon that. His name is Adonis Ramos. Hey, Adonis, you care to introduce yourself? How's it going? Uh, Solo, uh, we're really good friends. We've known each other for a few years. Um, I'm Adonis. I worked with him in the past, and I'm um, just really passionate about Spider-Man. So here I am. Yeah, it's funny. That's one thing, like, ever since I've known you, I remember it. I was, like, one of my first introductions is that seeing you at work end up showing a Spider-Man tattoo you had. And I thought that was really sick. And then I'm like, oh, this guy's really into it. And then I ended up meeting yeah. you around more and then seeing your place. and like, oh, he really likes Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always been a passion of mine. Yeah. Speaking of the passion, too, um, I guess my first general question for you is, like, when did you first encounter Spider-Man? or like? What about the character appealed to you that stood out amongst like Superman or Batman or, you know, Iron Man, Thor, all these other characters? What made Spider-Man unique, I guess? I guess uh, it's kind of twofold, really. Um, I mean, you know, you got the child aspect of it, you know, he's so cool, you know, he's got those really vibrant colors, you know, he's got that secret identity and he he's just unique, you know what I mean? As a child, you just kind of like... It's not really big picture, but then, you know, as I've grown up, you kind of just realize that Spider-Man's probably one of the most relatable superheroes that ever existed. You know, he's got the humility, and that's what really makes him Spider-Man. And saying that reminds me of the aspect, too, how, and especially Marvel and DC, there's a lot of characters who are basically omnipotent god level if you will like you have superman like being omega superman and his highest arc or even like you have iron man or it's like ultra iron man where he has like this unlimited form where he has all knowledge but what makes spider-man interesting is that he always says you know i'm just your friendly neighborhood spider-man and mm-hmm. it's really like a down-to-earth-esque thing where it's like like you said is very relatable and that's something i have a lot of respect for him yeah what i think was, that's my yeah. biggest uh gripe with um you know the new mcu is that they don't make it as small picture as he should be even though he's you know has these insane feats of strength i think that he just needs to be a small world kind of guy yeah that's the question i was going to ask you how do you feel um mcu handles spider-man compared to let's say i don't know um the comic books or different generations of like comic book artists taking care of him yeah, and I, I would say that they pay a lot of homage to, like, you know, certain things. Like, I would say, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming, when he has that feat of strength where he lifts up the building that the vulture toppled over top of him. That's a really good picture, you know, from the comics. But that movie was good, and I think that the story that they led with that was more appealing to me personally, just because it really was the small picture and then he was kind of forced to be you know just new york new york new york and not you know here hop on this uh, spaceship we're gonna go fight you know thanos of all people in like your third movie like that's just kind of kind of crazy to me i mean that's it really felt a bit rough too. yeah i'd say that's why yeah, i put it, it. You felt like you like you jump over to sinister six you jump over you know like his arch rivals like smaller villains like mm-hmm. I understand. I feel like an element of it too was we already had two iterations of Spider-Man. You had Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland. I, my apologies, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and then Tom Holland. So they're like, okay, 
we're going to take away that, you know, small hometown kid aspect and just drop them, like, right into it and be like, you're fighting, you know, Thanos, like, the big boss of Marvel, in a way. And, yeah, yeah that kind I, of took away from the greatest part. Speaking yeah, of, like, I, those, yeah, go ahead. I think that it just, like, also is kind of, like, the MCU is set up to just, like, get rid of a villain completely. You know what I mean? Like, the, the main thing about the Spider-Man villains is that they come back, and they always come back. That's the thing. <laughs> like, that's why they created the Sinister Six, is that they, you know, you see when the comics came out, like, it was eventually, it was one by one that these villains got defeated, but then they grouped up together with, when they had a central, you know, plan to destroy Spider-Man. It's just, like, they don't, they don't really touch on that in the MCU, and I don't think they ever will. Yeah, definitely. But speaking of recently, um, spoilers, not spoilers, the movie's been out for a couple years. Um, the Spider-Man movie where it had all three actors in it at once, and it kind of like showed like all the different quote-unquote versions of Spider-Man. What do you feel about this new direction of like the whole multiverse thing? Because I hear some critics say like it's a cliche that's overplayed. Like everyone's having a multiverse now. You have Loki the multiverse. You have Kang is now on the scene. Like, do you feel like multiverse is a bit much? Or, do you, like you said earlier, it's kind of like them jumping the gun. Like, that's later down the road, not, like, right now. Yeah, and I think, like, it kind of... Like, I really... I mean, I loved No Way Home. Like, it was great. It was um, probably one of the my best experiences in a movie theater, you know, because it served all of my childhood. And I think that's really all the MCU is, is this fan service. And they want to get all these different, you know, versions of people. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. I completely understand. But then it, wh where does it diminish, like, the fact that Tom Holland's Spider-Man was, like, all the other versions of Spider-Man only fought the Sinister Six by themselves. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of it kind of takes away from the, the importance of Spider-Man being solo. I mean, I, I appreciate it. I really did like Spider-Verse. I mean, it's a huge, huge thing, you know. Through across all the comics and storylines, shows and everything like that, but um, I don't. I think that you know someone always has to come save him in the MCU, and I think that's kind of um, unfortunate. Agreed, especially when you consider his powers of like Spidey sense in the comic books compared to how it's treated in the MCU. I feel like it's a very much downgrade. I understand oh, why they did it. But, like, I don't think it should have been that hard of a downgrade, if you understand what I mean. Like, because comic books is like he could solo the Avengers. Didn't he do that in one comic iteration? Yeah, I mean, he soloed quite a bit. Um, I just, I, yeah, I really, I just I struggle to understand the vision that they have for, like, I feel like he's just a joke in the MCU. And I, I just, that's why I'm, I do appreciate Tom Holland. I say that he's been, you know, it was exciting to see him in Civil War on that trailer. Like, I remember, I mean, I was like 15 years old. I was freaking out because I saw Spider-Man in like a in the Iron Man with Robert Downey Jr. and and all that. That was really awesome for me. Um, and then his movie being announced like a couple months later. So I mean, that was really really something for me. But yeah, I just um, I would have to. I I hate to say this, but like I would have to agree with people when they say he's just Iron Man's little bitch in, in the MCU. So. Yeah, where people like call him like Iron Man Jr. and stuff like that, which is yeah. unfortunate. It's pretty accurate, right. man. I'm not gonna lie. The movie though, where he went up against Mysterio, do you feel like that was kind of like the director saying, like, well, he's not really Iron Man Jr. Like he's trying to step out of a shadow? Like, I feel like at least that's a good step in the right direction, if you will. 
I would say that the end of No Way Home did more of that than Far From Home did. Because Far From Home, you got to think, like the whole premise of the movie is dealing, it's the first movie after Endgame that dealt with like Iron Man's death like completely. So I think, unlike everything, it's in the trailers, in the movie, you see all the paintings of Iron Man, it's like, it haunts him. So I mean, like, really what they were doing with uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark is, you know, the ben, the ben Parker effect. Where it's just like this, well, I have this great power, and here's my great responsibility. What do I do with it? I'm not, I'm not just some small town Spider Man. I have to be big time. But it's like, it's just always convenient, you know, for them to write that. Because I mean, you gotta think. I will, I will say, I'll give it to them. Spider Man's life is just tragedy over and over and over again. And I think that that's really what makes him great too. Is that you know he's he's got all these downsides that like I said earlier, makes him human. Yeah, and you see that in a lot of great writing, even in, like, Eastern writing, like, Berserk is one of my favorite series, for example, because the main character, mm-hmm. Guts, he's just a man going up against impossible odds, and anytime he has, like, so much of a small victory, it's, like, always, like, overshadowed by disaster, and you think, you know, why not just give up? Why not just throw in a towel? But he doesn't. He keeps persevering and moving forward and fighting. Because he still cares at the bottom of his heart, and he wants to protect people, even if he has to go through measurable like pain and hell and tragedy to do so. And that's honestly, I'd say, one of my things I respect a lot about Spider-Man, compared to someone who's like, you know, like, let's say the Superman model, where he's just like a big, you know, super strong dude, and he's like, oh no, I got god powers, what do I do? That's like what makes him different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, I think that one of the things to, you know, just to go back on, like, the whole, like, what encompasses Spider-Man, why, like, I had that kind of appeal, is just, you know, you, you gotta think about it in, in this way as well. Like, you know, you got Batman, right? And I guess you could say that he's, like, the other... These... In the last 20 years, I would say that Iron Man's been on the rise, right? But then the really main two freaking characters that are the most popular are Spider-Man and Batman. And they're... It's just because they're in the media more than everyone else is. But I think that what makes Batman different, you know, than Spider-Man is, you know, Batman's, you know, rich and is also a master of like a million martial arts where Spider-Man's just just some kid from small beginnings. And uh, he's he struggles with that through literally most of his life. Um, and I think that that is like, like I said earlier, me growing up, that's who I related to. Yeah, I agree, because you see Spider-Man through so many different arcs. Like, it's him, you know, in high school, for example, and then there's him, you know, being a young adult trying to manage life in college. Him yeah, in the I workforce, think that's why I really like to see the college era of Spider-Man. There was actually a cool theory passing around. Yeah, no, there's they're talking about, like, Spider-Man, like, you know, doing the college era, but, like, more of, like, you know, photography stuff, and they were saying, like, hey... Why don't we have him in like Hell's Kitchen doing like more small minor boss, like him working with Luke Cage or him working with Daredevil or Moon Knight, any of those guys? I think oh, that'd yeah. be an interesting I, I like power leveling thing because it's like it makes sense because you still have him as like, you know, I wouldn't say a rookie, but he's starting to get his feet in the game. He's starting to understand stuff. So he's able to like, you know, deal with the more darker, sadistic, twisted villains like, you know, that's on like Hell's Kitchen, basically that level. It's not yeah. like throwing him in the bat with like Thanos, like the movies, but. It's not giving him some weak pushover villain like he, that he dealt with in like high school, basically. Yeah, and I wish um, I wish they shed the light more on Kingpin. I'm excited to see Vincent D'Onofrio back because he 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 portrays the Kingpin so well. Um, 
throughout the Daredevil I don't series. Think I could, yeah, no, he's one of those. He's one of those roles. I don't think I could think of anyone better. He's like, yeah, no, he's, he's huge and he's awesome. It's like saying, you know, can you ma- imagine anyone else playing Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr.? No, you can't because that's Iron Man. You know, he just encompassed the role. It's the same for um Kingpin. But speaking of that, we talked about different, I guess, generations and stuff like that and actors. I'm sure you know what I'm going to get here with the big age old debate. You know, who is the best actor or the best Spider-Man? Yeah. What would you say would be your if I was going to ask you, like, I've, you know, never heard of these characters and you told me about Toby, Andrew and Tom. What would you say would be the strengths and weaknesses of like all three of them? And like, you know, like their arguments to make, like, let's say I was making an argument for like Andrew or Tommy or, you know, Toby. Like, what would you like, I guess, say? Well, I kind of shed my opinion on uh, Tom a little bit, but I think that he's not had his time to shine as Spider-Man himself. So the new start with wherever they go with him in after No Way Home, I'm excited to see. Um, whereas my arguments for Toby, I would say, you know, he's pivotal. Like, if you think of comic book movies, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man set the bar. Like, movies after that are pretty hard to, I mean, like, you gotta think, like, the original Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, or the Elektra movie, like, Fantastic Four, like, those are, you know, okay, watchable, but, like, it's not the, the serious, good story good like cgi i mean as it was 2002 but like that movie like legitimately set the bar i mean you know everyone hates spider-man 3 for you know whatever reason but i personally i think it's like my guilty pleasure and uh spider-man 2 is just like you know when you think of sequels it's hard to get a good sequel but that sequel was even like more enjoyable to me to follow up the the first one continue watching them as i get older so i would say that toby mcguire is just really good captures peter parker really really well his awkwardness you know what he thinks is cool and that's why i think spider-man 3 is kind of like a little goofy but i think that's what peter parker thinks being cool is and i think that um you could you could tell that by the awkwardness not you know the writing a little bit weird and the direction with that too many villains at one at one time is kind of hard without good good storyboarding but um toby just like i say he's really really good peter parker there and i i equally love his spider-man aspects i mean the swinging scenes with the music freaking amazing um so i'd say toby mcguire probably sits in my number one just nostalgia and and his uh his time in the movies were just amazing now i think andrew garfield kind of got like the shit end of the stick with sony um I think that the Amazing Spider-Man in 2012 was a great, great, great movie. Um, I think that once again, they kind of fit to like the era of uh, teens. They really tried to make Peter Parker a little bit more, you know, quirky and a little bit more cool than it would, you know, want would appear. But he he really is just a nerd. I don't think that he needed to be skateboarding and doing all that stuff because I just don't think that that's Peter Parker personally. Um, but they did capture, like you know, like I said, the the awkwardness a little bit, um, and I like the the more involvement in in high school that he had. But they kind of, I mean, like it, it fit really well for them to escape from that on on the sequel. But like I said, unfortunately, you know, Sony just kind of like saw the money and 
rushed a sequel and it was just fell short. Um, and I think that you know the 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 Spider-Man that we saw from Andrew Garfield was amazing. Like he, you know, he was funny. He had really good quips. He had really good swinging scenes. All that type of thing. Like you know his character. And then you you know you saw with like the most impactful things that really weren't covered in in um, the Tobey Maguire thing or movies such as like Gwen Stacy's father's death you know or her death as well like that was pretty brutal seeing that and uh, it really sucks to see that Andrew Garfield's like whole um, se- like series got cut short um, to make a deal with Tom Holland there. What's your opinion on the whole? talk about andrew garfield getting a third you know movie to finish up the trilogy would you say that's like a yes or a no on that um person i would watch it i mean i would watch anything <laughs> to be honest with you uh i would love i would love to see it i think that he i mean his speech about spider-man at comic-con was probably one of my favorite speeches of all time um and I, that's exactly how I feel. Like the fact that he respects the character just as much as as I do is it's kind of cool. Cool to see. I know that he's really valued being Spider-Man. Uh, so yeah, hundred percent. I would I would support a third movie. Yeah, it's something I really think you nailed it on the head of like Andrew. How he kind of got the shit out of the stick because he's interesting to me. Where if you ever look at his choreography, especially the library scene where he's going up against the lizard, oh, that's how great. he's literally crawling on the lizard like a spider basically and like crawling around him and even his web slinging is very a moss like a spider and to me i think like when i think of like spider-man combat i think you know this is more likely what spider-man would do compared to like let's say toby Maguire. i love him to death but watching him it's like watching a brawler basically fight like i feel like i'm watching something that you know I don't know Luke Cage would do basically. We're just like throwing haymakers and trying to knock the guy out. It's like less finesse and yeah, more like I would agree. Hundred percent. The combat and, and the fighting scenes from Andrew Garfield were hundred percent better. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, I think that's like what I really aim to see. You know, in in media is you know Spider-Man actually fighting like that because he's just so so quick, so agile, and like it's kind of like you know stiff when you watch it and like. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard. It's hard to, you it's know, it's fluid. It's very fluid, basically. Yeah. And I'm not huge. I'm. I, I mean, I'll say too. Like the practical suits will always win, in my opinion, over any CGI suits. I can't stand it, man. Like the suit ups, like, like you get from Andrew Garfield and and uh, specifically Tom McGuire. You know, when he he pulls that chest out and the theme music comes on. He like picks up the suit or he rips his button shirt. I mean, I've ruined so many button shirts when I was a kid because I was trying to be like, you know, it's that Superman rip, man. It's it's just so cool to see the suit up. Uh, and I think that's it's one of my favorite things uh, about him. Well, we covered a lot about the movies, um, moving it mm-hmm. over a bit to a different genre. What's your opinion on the Spider-Man TV shows that we had from the original animated series to what we have currently today, if you're up with any of those? Is there any specific show you'd recommend to, like, newcomers who, like, just now are being introduced to Spider-Man? Like, what's the, what would you say is the go-to? Like, you need to watch this show first. Man, I would say, you know, Fox Kid start off with the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. That, first of all, was... One of the best shows. <laughs> I, I loved the stories. 
I love the characters. It was different for sure. I mean, you know, not a lot of people are aware of like Madam Web. Uh, not a lot of people are used to um, like some of the other villains, like the Hobgoblin and stuff like that. I think that they, I mean, through however many seasons that they had in that show, like really covered a lot, and it was good. I mean, it wasn't as dark because I mean this kid's show, but I mean still had pretty great, you know, great stories. I mean they they kind of gave uh, Venom like a butt cheek head if you remember. It's like the little. <laughs> He had like the two-tone yeah, uh, OG design, <laughs> red and blue, and then he had like a little butt cheek on his head. It was really funny. Um, but I would say, yes, that that Spider-Man show—it's it's not too deep, you know. It's pretty easy to easy to watch, and I mean, it's college era Peter Parker. You know, he's he's got both. You know, he's got what he's got freaking Mary Jane Watson in that show. He's got Gwen Stacy. He's got Felicia Hardy, uh, Black Cat, which is one of his lovers. I mean, a lot of people don't really pay attention to. It's kind of, I mean, most people only focus on, um, you know, MJ. And I think that's like kind of, you know, Peter Parker's the Rizzler, man. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Liz Allen, I mean, they, I yeah. think that that's one thing Homecoming got good is, you know, they had Liz Allen in there. But, I mean, like, I really, really like the fact that they, you know, should cover all of his different love interests because they did shape him in one way or another, especially Gwen Stacy. You ever notice too that like with the women he dates, it really affects his portrayal and mood and attitude, not just as Peter Parker, but as a Spider-Man. Like, oh, 100%. compared to him being with like Gwen to, you know, Mary Jane, you can see like, I guess this is something I personally notice a lot, but different like change in tones, if you will. Like, yeah, and I think that's what makes him relatable, too. I mean, in a way, you know, not everyone's girlfriend gets killed by the Green Goblin. But at the same time, it's like <laughs> everyone has those phases where they, you know, grow up and have, like, you know, their childhood love. And then, you know, then they end up finding that, like, you know, the one, which was his Mary Jane. So. Now, still on the TV shows, what would you say is kind of like a guilty pleasure show? Like one that doesn't get talked about enough, but you enjoy watching it. Like, yeah, it's pretty good. Do you have any of those uh, recommendations? I would say, you know, I always, when I'm bored and I always want to watch uh, Spectacular Spider-Man, I think everyone, you know, appreciates that show for what it's worth. And that's, yet again, another Spider-Man project that kind of got cut short because I don't know why, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that Spectacular Spider-Man is... A great theme song great theme song and it had uh you know his little appearance in um the new spider-man across spider-verse um but i mean i i freaking i love that uh i love that show i mean it got a different animation style but it was kind of based on like the tobe mcguire ish movies but you know he had a great voice acting by josh keaton um and he he reprised his role um in the across the spider-verse movie i was pretty i was pretty stoked to see that um nice uh, but i would i don't know a guilty pleasure show probably the neil patrick harris (laughs) spider-man it was on mtv i'm pretty sure but that it was like yeah, but I, I I remember watching that, and it was just weird. It was different, you know. Um, but I, I would I'd say, say for me, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're good. 
Um, I would say for me, don't make fun of me saying this, but have you ever heard of Spider-Man Unlimited? It was like from 1999 to 2001. Yeah, it was the the follow-up of the 90s animated show, yeah. With the with the weird animal people, of course. That's great costume, by the yeah. way. Yeah, amazing Spider Man's costume. The costume in it was phenomenal. But not only that, but Venom and Carnage. I think that was to me one of my favorite portrayals, except for Todd McFarlane's portrayal of you know Venom, where he's like his beefcake. But I always have been really angry and a bit salty how that series got cut short because it ends at a cliffhanger and then that's it and then they don't continue it for another season i'm like why like this is actually starting to get interesting like (laughs) yeah i feel like that's really what happens is you know sad sadly enough is like you know you get all this hype and uh kind of just ends on a cliffhanger or you just have uh those unresolved issues yeah i would say that the venom design in that one is cool you know it's got like you have like the red and blue yeah, you know the red and blue neon design, like the outline coloring of them, basically? So yeah. you'll have, like, Venom next to a cop car looking like he's 500 pounds, just pure muscle, and he has, like, red and blue cop lights on him. I just thought, when I saw that scene, as a kid, that's what made me a huge Venom fan, was probably watching that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, but, I think that that's what they need to do right with Venom, and I, I think that uh, Venom is just huge. He is just... You can't make him small. Like, that's what I mean. Topher Grace, man. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. Probably the most disappointing thing of, of all <laughs> Spider-Man is Topher Grace being cast as Venom because he's not Eddie Brock at all. He just doesn't fit. He acts more like Carnage. All. You know what I mean? Like, t- when I saw that, I was like, wait, this is more in line of Carnage than his Venom, you know? I like I hated it, man. Oh, my can't gosh. It. Speaking of that, what would you say going on like you know spider-man's villains would you say is his like number one villain green goblin oh really yeah i would say why would you say like green goblin over like let's say venom for example or any of the other cast of villains he has to fight i think green goblin hurt him the most i'd say i'd say green goblin and i would say maybe two and three would be dr octopus um and i would say Kingpin, which I don't think a lot of people understand, um, but like I mean, you see in comics that Kingpin's pretty prevalent in Spider-Man comics to the point where you know he tries to kill Aunt May, and you get that brutal, brutal comic book where he's like, "When she dies, you die," and he pulls up to prison, and he's like, "Oh, Spider-Man doesn't kill." He's like, "Oh, I'm not here, Spider-Man." Takes off his mask. I'm here as Peter Parker. And he beats his ass to the point where he is like <laughs> one punch away from being dead and just humiliates him and then doesn't kill him. I think that is probably the coolest Peter Parker moment. Not only that, but he does that in the prison yard in front of all of the rogue villains and that he like locked it, up the minor people. And he kind of set the example like, look. I may be a friendly um, neighborhood Spider-Man, but if you're messing with my family, I'm Peter Parker. And to me, yeah. that's, like, such a good impact, though. Like, it's insane. But what would you say, obviously, you know, with Green Goblin, we know why you say he hurt him the most. But for people who don't know, would you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I would say, I mean, he killed Gwen Stacy, and I think that that really set Peter Parker personally, excuse me, on on his path, like, 
of I'm so fuel fueled by rage and all this stuff, but like I have to keep going and I have to not break my code. And I think that that was really tough for him. And I think that, you know, like I said before, like the death and the tragedy that encompasses his life is just it's kinda like the Batman Joker relationship, but um I really, really think that the Green Goblin like altered his his train of thought going forward and in, in for the rest of his life because of Gwen Stacy. And definitely, yeah, that famous comic book um cover where it's um Spider Man in the bottom left corner of the page holding, you know, Gwen Stacy's dead body and Green mm-hmm. Goblin covering nearly half the page above laughing, being like, you know, I'm going after you next, web slinger, it's time for you to die. And then in response, Spider Man says, like, no, um, you kill killed you. Gwen Stacy. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll kill, kill you. you yep. And uh, that's what I really think is so, you know, special about him is that he ends up, you know, all these times he's he is so powerful and he, he can really just annihilate everything. And he just pulls his punches every time, even if he's completely fueled by rage. So I think that's really special. A bit of a weird question for you. So the Tobey Maguire version, you know, he was bit by the spider mm-hmm. and he got his powers like super strength ball, stuff like that. They don't really talk much about the spider bite for like Tom Holland's version. Do you think it's just because everyone already knows it's overplayed or what's your opinions on them not bringing up the spider bite much on your no, thoughts? On I, I'd say, I'd say I appreciated that, you know, kind of like me. Like I said before, and you know, you've seen it in media and games and everything. That's like, all right, we get it. You know, Ben Parker dies. You know, Spider Bite. Blah blah blah. Okay, that's important to Spider Man, but it's kind of like, uh, if you're watching this, you know what happened, kind of thing. And I think that that's really, you know, important that they. It's not like that they skip over it, but because they mention it. Um, but I think that it's important. Um, for us not to see it over and over again, like in Batman. I don't need to see his parents die every time. I'm just going to say it. Like, every time. <laughs> we literally get it. Cool. But, yeah, I think that the importance of Ben's death is, you know, really good in um, in both The Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man. You know, it's, it's a really hard moment for them. You know, they're just a dick, and it just happens to be the wrong day to be a dick. And, you know, Ben Parker nice being... Thing. The great person he is, you know, he's he's where he needs to be. What he, he what he's doing is different in in the in both movies, but you know, he's being like you know that good soul where he's trying to stop something bad from happening. And I think, I mean, the way that they kind of like changed it to be in uh, Spider-Man Three with Sandman accidentally killing him, you know, I think that that you know that loophole where I mean, you saw it. He gets he's like. The man who killed Ben Parker is still out there, and I like he's frustrated because he accidentally killed an innocent-ish person. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't the person that really killed Ben Parker. It was that was the, uh, driver, the guy yeah. he first killed. Oh. And it was it was actually you know Sandman who he pulled the trigger by accident. Um, and then with you know the Amazing Spider-Man with the uh, the robber that he stops, he's just trying to be a good person, and I think that. You see that a lot, and I think that that's that's really really cool um, about Ben Parker. You know, he's just you know always willing to give up uh, something and be better than 
better than himself, and that's why Peter Parker's so well shaped, man. Like, what a what a great father he, had, he ended up having. Because, um, like, again, I mean, that shaped him. Because it's like you know the tragedy of him not having this really was just him having a better set of parents that really really shaped him. Like Aunt May, great mom. And Ben Parker, unfortunately, you know, dying, but being a great role model as a father. What would you say, though, would be really an impactful moment that, I guess, you know, the character arc moment? Because for me, it would have to be, like, surprisingly enough, I know people hate on the third movie, but I think it gets unjust hate a lot of times. But at the end where, you know, Sandman confesses and tells him what actually happened and... Peter didn't react the way he did the first time, where he's like, you know, I can't believe you're still alive, I'm going to kill you, and then the whole, like, subway scene. It was mm-hmm. him just being like, you know, I forgive you, and he moves on. Like, to me, for Toby, that good was, like, riddance. the moment where you could tell. Yeah, it went yeah. from good riddance to, you know, him, like, I forgive you. Yeah, and I think that that's also just, like, um, how the viewer and how we all need to kind of, like, process things, you know. As terrible as what happened to him was, you know, at the end of the day, he forgave him and then, you know, went off, let him go. Because he realized that the the problems that he faces are just his problems alone, and everyone else has their own problems also. So I think that, you know, that really was a good moment for Tobey Maguire. It showed, you know, his his growth. Yeah, and also you see this later on in um, No Way Home where you have the three Spider-Man. He's kind of like he's kind of like a dad figure, if you will, to like both of them. Where you have Andrew, he was maturing, but you see, you see, he still has his demons. He still has an emotional trauma from losing um, Gwen Stacy, and Absolutely. he has his redemption at the end. But like he's still in the movie. He's not the guy you go to for like wisdom. And it was Toby that they went for wisdom to, you know, um, when he was mad and upset about what's happening to him. And even at the end of the movie, when he's like fighting Goblin for the final scene and he picks up his glider and he's about to stab and kill him. And then it was Toby who steps in and blocks it, basically. And like, you know, looks at him like, no, I think that that spoke more than if he were like, no, we don't do that. He just looks at him. And I think that that. Also, I mean, great, great scenes. I mean, like I said, I'm not hating on the movie. Just, I, I'm i excited to see what they do for, going forward. Because, I mean, the director of those movies has been good. Like, I'm not going to lie. They were good movies. But they weren't great. I want to see Spider-Man succeed on his own. Um, so that's why I'm as bittersweet as it is. I loved the origin that they created for that Spider-Man, that rendition is, is, is good. I just, I'm excited to see what happens going forward. Um, but dude, now I'm looking at my calendar here. It is October 9th. And in 11 days, I am going to be unreachable until I get a platinum trophy for Spider-Man two for PS five. Oh, go on. Tell us more about this Spider-Man 2 game that's coming out soon. So, funny enough, uh, I mean, I just, uh, I have a really good friend, and you, you, you know him solo, but Kyle, he uh, he ended up wanting to get a PlayStation 5, and I've had one for a couple years um, since our deployment, but I got, recently, my buddy was like in the, in, in the hunt for a PlayStation 5, and I was like talking about how they have the new Spider-Man PS5 bundle, where it's, you know, the exclusive console. Um, Venom, it's on one side, kind of 
devouring the little Spider-Man symbol, and then the other side is completely black with another um, matching Spider-Man symbol. It's great. It's great design. Love it. So we ended up coming to you know a deal. We we just traded. Um, so I have that on hand right now with the custom controller, and the game pre-ordered because I'm crazy and I love it. Um, but as far as video games go, I would say that that is my favorite. What would you say is your expectation for this? Do you think it's game of the year material? I, unfortunately, I don't think people you know, have the same opinion as Spider-Man as me. I think that the story will be equally good. Um, I think it'll be a, a runner for, um, for game of the year. I don't think it'll win it. Um, I don't know, though. Like, I've you know the lift for all um information about the game the embargo i guess it's lifted on like a week from today so i'm i'm going to try to avoid spoilers as much as i can but so far i mean they got it right man like the seamless transition between miles morales and, and peter parker design of venom is amazing the voice actor for uh venom is amazing tony todd uh, Candyman, and then you got, you know, Green Goblin. Hopefully, makes an appearance. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he won't. But you know, I saw some teasers of Mysterio, um, Craven. I'm really, really excited for. I think he's an underrated uh, Spider-Man villain. Um, but I mean, the the web wings, the size of the map, all that stuff. You know, they they really impressed me as far as like gameplay in 2018. That was it was awesome. Couldn't get enough of it. And they improved it in like you know the smaller mini game ish, not kind of a DLC uh, with Miles Morales. Really loved how he felt di- like oh my god, completely different than what Peter Parker felt like, um, but still that same core, like really good fighting mechanics. Um, so I'm real, I'm really really excited to play this game. What would you if you could catch up the audience or people from the last game? What's the story looking like? Yeah, so I mean, in the first one, you got, you know, somewhat of a small-time Spider-Man. I mean, like, you know, you got, he's what, seven years or so into, I think he's like 23, 24 in the game. So he's been Spider-Man for a while. Um, not necessarily a veteran, but, you know, experienced. And, you know, he's fought his his uh, group of rogues gallery. He's finished with college, kind of dealing with the adult life. And you can see that he's struggling from the beginning, you know, with he ends up getting evicted, whatever, but with that, he goes to visit his Aunt May, who's working with Martin Lee, who ends up being, you know, Mr. Negative. And Martin Lee is set on this rampage um, against Norman Osborn, because Norman Osborn tested on him when he was a child, and that led to the death of his parents. So, you find out, you know, that... Um, Peter's working for um, Otto Octavius, and they're trying to de- uh, computer that has like this bio organism, like I guess it's like mechanical arms, um, you know, which ends up leading to pretty great depiction of uh, Doctor Octopus. Um, great voice acting, great emotion throughout the whole story. He ends up teaming up, breaks Martin Lee out of prison, and they set off this. Uh, what is it like a freaking? It's a bomb that they set off in Times Square. It's uh, like a disease. I forget what it's called. And it's like the red something. Um, 
but they set it off in Times Square, which leads to like a whole bunch, a whole bunch of people getting sick. Was it kind of similar to like? Was it kind of similar to like the Amazing Spider-Man, where it's like Lizard trying to set up that like bomb and just infect everyone with like the disease he had? Or yeah, I guess it's it's just like it's really funny because it's just like it's. I mean, I guess it's like a the flu or something. It's it's just a a virus that is uncontrollable that they release. Um, they release COVID nineteen into the population. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, like they they just detonated a COVID nineteen bomb. Um, and I think that the game truly shifts there, where you see it just gets dark, and it's almost, I guess, I would say the game's comparable to Arkham Knight, where it's like, you know, you are got to stay away from the mist and save people as best as you can. Um, I really, really liked that. I really did. I mean, the city just gets set loose, and... You know, you see Spider-Man lose to the Sinister Six. I mean, that that cinematic is pretty great. And you see, you know, Dr. Octavius is the center of it all. And he, like, don't get involved again. And, um, you know, I mean, you know Spider-Man. I forget how many bones he actually got broken then, but they say it in the game. And he's, within a couple hours later, he's back on his feet going to uh, see, like, the city is just completely rampaged. Um, and I and then you know at the end, you fight Doc Ock on top of Oscorp. He gets to Norman. He saves Spider-Man. Saves Norman. He creates like you know the anti-Ock suit, which is really really sweet. Really good original design. And I mean, you see like the the conversation that they have where Spider-Man's like, "You knew this whole time that I was Peter Parker. You knew that you could hurt me this way, and you still did it." And he's like, yeah, it's all means to an end, you know. I did it for me. And Peter Parker just rips his arms off. And at the end, you know, you got Dr. Octopus just begging for him to help him. He's like, no, this is it. I'm done with you. Lay here and wallow in your self-pity. So I really love the game. Yeah, that's a question I want to have, too, about the game. Like, I noticed a lot of Spider-Man's villains are very... I don't want to say the word misunderstood, but there's something wrong with them. Like, you have, like, Green Goblin having, like, split personality disorder. You have Doc Ock, who's, like, literally insane from the, like, claws in his um, spine and stuff. Like, are all of his villains like that? Like, Spider-Man's? Or are there, like, some, like, just sociopaths, like, normal people are just like, you know, yeah, I'm doing this. I know it's bad, but I don't care. I think that, you know, and I mentioned it, like, most of them are just, like, trying to benefit themselves, and it goes wrong. Like, I mean, the lizard... Kurt Connors, who you're going to see in the Spider-Man 2 game, he's missing an arm, and he tries to, you know, develop a regeneration through Lizard's DNA and ends up affecting him and turns him into the Lizard. And, I mean, you got to think about Greek Goblin. It's, it's really, he's just mental. And I think that what they're going to do with this one is, you know, Norman is trying to find the cure for Harry. And you see Harry's in the tank, and He's got venom on him. I don't and like I don't I don't know what the significance of it is in this story how they're gonna do that, but I do know that it's gonna be really cool to see. Um and I really hope that Green Goblin gets involved in that in that game. But I mean, you see at the end of that the first one too, you know 
he comes up with that ultimate choice where he gets to he has the cure he can put it mm-hmm. he finds you know ma is super sick and he's by her bed and she's like take off your mask i want to see my nephew and so you find out that you know ma knew that it was him the whole time and then you find out you know he's got that ultimate choice that that sacrifice he has to make is that he loses the person that means the most to him but he saves the rest of the New York. So I think that that's, that was a really insane moment um, that they handled. I mean, even then in the DLCs, you know, the, you know, we'll, we'll, I saw teasers of Wraith, which is Yuri Watanabe. You see her kind of go rogue against, um, in the DLCs. Uh, I'm really excited to see her character come back and uh, tear shit up. What would you say? Um, you said you mentioned a DLC. What would you say, like aspects of a DLC that made it like different from other games, or I guess other expansions from the this vanilla game? Like, what did it bring to the table? Um, I guess I don't know. I think the DLCs were kind of a bit short in a way, and they're kind of like lackluster. Um. But, like, the story aspect of it was really good. I mean, you saw it kind of going from, like, a... Oh, what's Black Cat stealing now? To, oh my god, Hammerhead just blew up her apartment. What the hell? <laughs> and uh, they kind of hinted at their relationship before, and she kind of played toys with them, saying that, you know, she has a son, that's his. And so he freaks out and tells MJ, and after they've rekindled. So it's, it's just funny... She's playing mind games with them, and then it it gets care it oh, gets really crazy. Cool. You're telling me she really hit him with the like, "Hey man, I'm the baby mama," and he's like, "Fuck, I just left you." <laughs> yeah, he literally oh, is God, so bad. Mary Jane, there's something <laughs> I gotta tell you, and he's like, "I think I might have a kid with you know Black Cat," and she's like, "Oh, okay," and uh, he's like, uh, "You know, freaks out because I mean, it's kind of I mean that'd be pretty crazy to be just you know." Yeah, that'd be awkward. In the middle of, like, whatever. Um, so he was kind of put in a weird place, but it ended up not being true. Uh, but I really like, I will say, Hammerhead, his depiction in in, um, in Spider-Man when he's not, like, a giant mech dude is pretty good. You know, Silver Sable, you know, has to team up with him and kind of <laughs> shoot him in the head with her laser. It, it, that, that part was weird, but, like, I would say the second DLC... Um, is probably my favorite one. You see, you know, you get the intro of, like, the the squad going to uh, Hammerhead's, like, this, like, I think it was, like, this abandoned asylum, and you see this cop who has, like, a Spider-Man watch. He's like, check this out. And Spider-Man's like, nice, man. And they then they go into this, you know, they raid the house, whatever, they get in, the lights go out, you hear gunfire, Lights come back on, and you see, you know, the guy that had his uh, his Spider-Man watch is dead, and that like kind of sets the tone of the DLC, and kind of like really pushes Yuri to the edge, and she tries to kill him, and ends up shooting him in the head at the end. Um, so she goes rogue, but I mean, obviously, it doesn't kill Hammerhead because you know he's got like the steel plating in her in his forehead, but she gets really close to 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 killing, and uh, Spider-Man. It's like, what's going on? And then with that, in the third DLC, you see her end up killing 
a whole bunch of um like the the mob related people that Hammerhead associates with and you see that she they're all wrapped up in their in the in the tape. Which is, you know, Wraith, and I'm excited to see her character uh, develop in, in the sequel. I was going to ask, has the video game introduced any new villains that aren't in comic books at all? Because I know Mr. Negative came out around 2007, so he's decently new compared to, like, the other cast members of, like, you know, Doc Ock or, like, Green Goblin. But, like, are there any, like, I guess standalone, like, characters are only in this game? Um, I think that one of the most annoying additions is, uh, Screwball. I absolutely hate that character. I think that the voice actor is annoying, um, and it's kind of like so. In the main in the main game, you got like these um, these side quests to do like uh, Taskmaster uh, things, like you do combat challenge, stealth, stealth challenge, and stuff like that. But it's all because he's studying Spider Man and how he handles things. Whereas Screwball is like just you know social media person um in the game and she like sets up like cameras to capture spider-man doing stuff for views and i like i said they're repetitive they're in each of the dlcs and she is built like vector from despicable me and she's just the most annoying human Bro, really had to say built like Vector. God damn. I mean, take a look, man. She's <laughs> terrible. Oh, wait, 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 look at the image of her. You said Screwball? Yeah, Screwball. I, if she shows up in Spider-Man 2, automatically a 1 out of 10. <laughs> I'm not lying. I won't, I'll, I'll just I'll all the game. Screwball. Oh my god, what is the design? Oh my gosh. Yeah, man, I'm, it's I'm sorry. Just... Yeah, I don't blame you for hating on this. I don't know what the hell this is. <laughs> oh, God. It's tough. Yeah, uh, like, I... I just don't get it, man. Whoever Dan Slott and Marcos Martin are, the the creators of, of Screwball, and with the powers and ability of gymnastics, you <laughs> are so messed up, man. <laughs> You're a sick man for making this. Oh no! Yeah, she's, she's also like pretty new to comics. She, I mean, she's only come out in 2008, so. Oh yeah, that's really new compared to like she, the other cast. Work, I think she works with um, Deadpool, um, but I mean, yet again, I just uh, can't stand her. She's uh terrible. Oh, she's that type of character, like the obnoxious, like, oh, look at me, I break the fourth wall, tee-hee, like, funny, funny. It's like, all right, we get it, yeah. Humor is funny in, like, 2014, like, I don't know. That's, like, I don't know, that's one of my gripes. I hate the whole Deadpool humor because it was so oversaturated that it went from funny at first, like, you know, an in-group thing, to Deadpool becoming super popular and just being, like, obnoxiously annoying. We're just like, okay, ah. Uh. But mm-hmm. that's just... My opinion on that. But <laughs> speaking of fandoms, what would you say would be your, like, being in the Spider-Man fandom, what would you say is, like, you know, the perks of the community compared to, like, the downside? Like, all communities have their little thing. What do you say, like, hey, the fandom's doing good on this or doing bad on that? Um, 
Yeah, I would say the great thing about Spider-Man is that, you know, you really don't have to wait for things to come out. Like, you got Spider-Man everywhere. I mean, whether it's Miles Morales or Peter Parker, you got, you know, the movies, you got the games, you got the the comics are always coming out. I mean, I think that that's one one good thing is that, you know, you can go anywhere in in the toy section or, like, to a comic book store, and you'll always find Spider-Man something somewhere. Um, so, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I don't know. The viewers don't know, but or the listeners, but I have Spider-Man room in my house. I've had Spider-Man rooms in my house since I've, you know, moved out, and it's just the collection of things that I have. I'm obsessed with it. I've got the authentic movie posters for Spider-Man from 2002. I got the Spider-Man 2 movie poster. I got Spider-Man 3 and both the Amazings. I got, you know, this really cool Japanese Spider-Man poster. Uh, you know, really one of my favorite issues, Spider-Man 300, um, with the uh, the black suit variant cover. It's it's really awesome to me. Um, I've got. What would you say you know, is your most prized possession out of all of that? Like your little golden goose, if you will. Man. Um, right now, I've got a couple, I would say. I would say my PlayStation is really hot on my... Hot. Um, but then I would say probably the first comic that I got, which was, you know, it was just sentimental because you know, I was a kid, but I've always had it, and I've kept it in pristine condition. It's, it's nothing crazy. It's just um, a spectacular Spider-Man comic that I got. Uh, it's just it's something my dad got me, um, but just kind of like really pushed me to be you know collect even more. And I've had I've had stuff since I was a kid. I got you know my Spider-Man three lunchbox that's authentic from from the 2008 2007. I got I'm probably missing like maybe 10 to 15. I'd say maybe 15 um, Funko Pops out of out of all of them that have come out. I specifically collect Peter Parker Spider-Man, and I try not to get too crazy with all the other variants of Spider-Man because then you know my collection would be way too much. So I try to stay away from collecting uh, like you know Gwen or two two thousand ninety nine or Miles Morales because then you know my collection would just get way too crazy. I try to keep it you know as, as uh, strict as it can be, and the, even then you know unfortunately I can't get like Spider-Man with the Captain America shield because it comes with the Captain America and, and um, Iron Man, so I just won't, I won't get that. Um, but I do. I would say I just got the. Uh, I don't know if you know Zola, but the uh, like the Lego art series, like you know, you got like the Van Gogh painting, Starry Night. They're yeah. like actual frames you can hang up. I just picked up the Amazing Spider-Man um, for my birthday. My parents actually got it for me. It's um, it's really awesome. A really great. Uh, build. I mean, it took me a really long time, but it's got, I think, like just under 2,000 pieces. Or no, actually, it has 2,099 pieces. Um, it's got this really awesome animated Spider-Man crawling, um, crawling downwards. It's got like little hints and reasons why the uh, the creators of this did certain things that they did. It's got um, 15 spiders, so for Amazing Fantasy 15, um, and then. You know, it's got web shooters in its uh, forearm that you actually cover up, but it's it's interesting to see that they you know put the 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 wrist 
uh, web shooters in there, and then just for it to just be a small detail that you just don't see whenever the 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 frame's actually fully built. So I, I really liked that. Um, it's a unique Lego set. The head moves and then the expressions of Spider-Man's fit, like eyes change, which I really like for different angles. So it's probably one of my favorite things I've gotten. That's recent. something I noticed with like Spider-Man too. Like anytime there's an artist that picks them up, they always add their slight little thing in there that's unique to like other Spider-Man. Like whether it be um, Todd McFarlane's style, where like the eye pieces are like covering majority of his head, or it'd be like Romero, where he has like specifically the like winged things on his lats, where it's like the webs basically. Yeah. I always found that interesting. What would you say you personally is your favorite little quip or like you know little touch to Spider Man's design? I would say overall, my favorite Spider Man depiction would be Todd McFarlane. I love the huge eyes. Um, it's kind of like gritty almost. It's still got that like crazy colors, but I mean you know Todd McFarlane like spawn and everything like that it's just what you'd expect out of him but i really really like the uh the style that he ended up creating um especially with you know venom being created by him as well i, I really really like his design um because it's kind of like a simple spider-man it's it's not like extre- extremely flashy at all it's just a like a cloth suit and it's got like a little tiny kind of dainty spider-man symbol and it really just looks homemade, um, but I really like the expression you get um, from it, and I definitely love the uh, symbiote Spider-Man. I mean, that's where we get all of the depictions of that from, is uh, Tom McFarlane. Yeah, definitely. And what's your opinion on like other artists, whether that be um, Mark Bagley, Steve Ditko, or like any of those guys, or even... Um... What's his name? The really, really OG dude who has like is it Ross Andrew? Was he like one of the first people who did Spider Man? Um, yeah, he's one of them, hundred percent. Um I think he was maybe second after Ditko. Um or he yeah, he was like seventy three or seventy is I'm pretty sure. Um because I know he yeah, no, it had to have been seventies. I think he I think he had like maybe from like 1973 to late 70s because he wasn't very long. Um, but I, I would say yeah, I, I, I do like, I like his uh, depictions of Spider-Man. It's kind of simple. It's 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 like it's pretty similar to Ditko, which I think that like you know Ditko's iconic, so you can't really like <laughs> can't say that, like I can't pick <laughs> one. But I would say you know Ditko is probably my I would say probably my second favorite. I'm kind of biased with Tom McFarlane. I mean, John Romero Jr. To put your feet in the flames a little bit, what is um, one of, like, a Spider-Man artist that you say you, like, strongly dislike the style? Because for me, it has to be Humberto Ramos. He the made new age one? Yeah, not a fan. The spectacular Spider-Man series where it's, like, he looks very... Chunky? Stringy. It's just yeah. weird, yeah. It's like really proportional, weird. It was like he has like a pencil thin neck, but like a giant head, giant hands, like skinny arms. It's like a very weird design. Where I just it's like a Capcom yeah. almost. 
Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like the Capcom design, yeah. basically. But uh, it's, I it's would say, I would say um, definitely not my favorite. Yeah, between him and Marcos Martin, I say those two are the like artists where I'm not a big fans of. Yeah, those are the new guys. I think that the newer artists kind of like do that super flashy art, and I don't think it's as it's not as uh, impactful as like old comic book drawings and sketches are because you can just i love the way that those printed out when they came out um kind of speckled uh and you even can just eric really larson see. was really good too i'd say eric larson is a pretty good comic artist as well and he doesn't get talked about much but yeah he's I think a lot of people don't realize like how many different comic book artists have had their hands on it and i mean it's kind of like a there was a generational thing with the uh, ramitas um but it's it's one of the best one of the best uh, father son duos that you got there, and then he got yeah Eric Larson. He's what he was late eighties. So, yeah, he was he was really good as well. I really liked his uh, his rendition. It's simple, but yeah, he's of- famous for the Revenge of the Sinister Six art. So that's the one that blew him up a lot was doing that one because he made them come back, like you said earlier in a podcast, like Spider Man villains come back, and that was an interesting spin. Yeah, I I uh I really do like I like his a lot. And um I'm pretty sure let me look this up. In Pennsylvania where I'm from, they actually have a Spider-Man mural that they just created. Um so it's in Johnstown, which is kind of close to um, Pittsburgh, in a sense, it's kind of like uh, maybe like an hour away from Pittsburgh, but it's uh, where Steve Ditko's from, um, and he also, you know, helped create uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. So they made a mural that has both Spider-Man and Doctor Strange in his style that he created them, and it's a uh, it's a really, really cool piece of art I've yet to see, but that's definitely on my list of things to do when I go back up to Pennsylvania in the next couple of months. I will send you a picture of it right now. Um, oh, that was nice. Thank you. But it is one of my favorite things about a PA that just came out. I'm pre- like, I'm pretty sure it, it was, like, finished within the last year. Um, but it's it's amazing, so... Definitely going to get a picture by that and get it uh, framed for my room. Yeah, definitely send me that when you do. That's a really cool picture right there. I like the mural. Um, Going back to Spider-Man villains, though, a question I wanted to ask you. Uh, Spider-Man has a very large rogue gallery. Who would you feel currently would be a villain that should like take a rest for a minute or like take a break? And who's a villain that needs to be brought into the spotlight more? Like, you know, this guy needs to get another chance, a reprisal, if you will, against, you know, Spider-Man. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I think that Green Goblin is over-portrayed in media. And, uh... I think that that is... You know, it's kind of it, like it is the Joker aspect. It is Spider-Man, like one of his cre- like greatest villains, most iconic villains. So, uh, as unfortunately as it is to see, uh, I would say the great follow-up to Green Goblin would be Hobgoblin with uh, Ned Lead. I think that that would be 
an amazing storyline um, to follow with Hobgoblin. I, I think that that is a really cool story. I think that it is um, possible now to see with, um, you know, the whole spoiler, everyone forgetting who Spider-Man is. So, you know, there's no impact of Ned being friends with um, Spider or Peter Parker, Tom Holland. So it's really cool. I want to cool. see Ned in and just get shredded and absolute lean and just get yoked and become off goblin. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't like to see. I wouldn't like to see uh, a bowling ball. Ned Leeds being <laughs> hobgoblin, but I will say I love the actor. He's great. He's hilarious. Um, but yeah, he oh. definitely needs to uh, fit the uh, what the comic books have portrayed him as. I'm still thinking of this scene. I'm sorry. This scene lives in my head rent-free. It always makes me laugh where he's helping him out in Homecoming, you know, going up against, you know, Vulture. And he's in, like, the school, like, library, I believe. And then one of the teachers bust in. And he's like, what are you doing here? And he just he's awkwardly goes, um, watching porn. And I'm like, bro, no, no way. I would say that oh. I, I freaking loved his depiction. Like, I mean, he was the comic relief of the entire trilogy. I mean, even into the Avengers movie and... Uh, he was definitely a good uh, a good addition to the uh, storyline. So I really liked his uh, character. But like, yeah, no, I, I would love to see. Yeah. I would love to see um, Hobgoblin. Yeah, definitely. Hobgoblin would be an interesting one. Me personally, I'm kind of a sucker for Shocker. I feel like he's a villain that gets slept on a lot. Yeah, yeah I'd like to see him anymore. But I know, you know like most people need think of a shocker they think about the 90s you know shocker how long you do the end of the back, I, I would love to see uh that in the spider-man 2 game and i think that it would be great and i think everyone would love it and i think it'd be one of the best things insomniac has done uh if they include that and i would say dude insomniac you know it's kind of like a really really impressive company for i mean you know ratchet and clank and uh, all all the years that they've had that series, I mean, really, really amazing things that they did with Spider-Man, um, Miles Morales, and in 2018 with the original Spider-Man game. But then you know, we've got future projects like uh, Wolverine to look forward to. I'm really, really excited for that. Because they, they get it too. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, because I, like I would, I would think that that would be the awesome shadows. I'm sorry. You know my bias here. Web of Shadows, that's that's my child. And hey man, I love a, it because there's so many, game. It's just so many characters in it that you don't traditionally see in a Spider-Man story. Like Wolverine was in it, for example. And not only that, but a venomized version of him. And I was like, holy crap. Like it was just such a good story to me. Oh yeah, it was it was definitely uh I think that that's what's unfortunate about some of the some of these things that have come out. I mean, a lot of people know it for like, you know, the the memes of the uh, intro but like really that was such a cool game and i would love to play a remastered i think that the the gameplay of that was was really something special for the time that it came out when did that even come out? freaking like 2008 2008 yeah yeah so for that to yeah, be yeah great i i don't even know like what other games came out like i mean you got Shattered Dimensions, you got um, Edge of Time, which Edge of Time, man, like, talk about a, a really underrated game. I don't think people understand that game. It's got, like, 
a lot of people think that like I'm like it's got like low ratings. I don't know, man. I think that the storyline was really, really good for what it was. Um, and I mean, you got Christopher Daniel Barnes coming in to voice uh, Spider-Man, and I feel I feel like it was definitely what 2011. Okay, so yeah, it was great. I think that for a lot of these characters, uh, getting like anti-venom coming out, um, Miguel O'Hara, I think that is, you know, the newer depiction of him was good. I think it was really, good. um, but I think that it's yeah, he's um, just like me for real, for real. I am Miguel O'Hara for information. <laughs> like, but this is that physique upside down Dorito that is goals. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great, um, and I think yeah, and dude, like. Yeah, they had Josh Keaton in that game as well. Who Josh Keaton voiced um, the spectacular Spider-Man. So I really liked the uh, the casting that they had for that um, for that Spider-Man game. And I will say, Yuri uh, Lo- uh, Lowenthal is—I mean, he's just been featured in the new Mortal Kombat as Smoke. Um, but he—I mean, everyone knows he's Sasuke. So, like, when you see, you know. Freaking uh, symbiote Spider-Man come out in eleven days. You're gonna be like, oh, just Spider-Man Sasuke. That sounds familiar, <laughs> yeah. dude. Where's Where's Naruto? I, so I I think that that's gonna be. It's definitely something that like from the trailers and the gameplay reveal that I, something I always think about is just Sasuke <laughs> when he's angry. So I'm laughing I'm gonna, at I'm laugh at that. I'm still laughing a bit off topic. Now I'll get back to Spider-Man, but Mortal Kombat, the opening chapter. It's literally you in like a diner, and then there's Mama Bao, what was her name, or Grandma Bao, something like that. He was Bo Raichu, like a female version. And then you have the Lin Kuei show up to be like, yo, bitch, where's our money? She's like, I ain't paying shit. And he's like, all right, we're gonna like fight then. And then he <laughs> literally breaks her spine and throws over a balcony on a table. And I'm like, god damn. Like, that's been five minutes in. <laughs> it's just, it just caught you so off guard. It's like a dude, just a grown ass man slamming a grandma, like beating shit out of her, like no one else, but. Hey, don't, don't forget, he's just—he's not Lin Kuei, okay? Oh yeah, he's not real Lin Kuei. He's like, you're not a real Lin Kuei. You'll never be one. <laughs> He'll just be taking spines, bro. Oh gosh. Um, what was I gonna ask as well? Um, where's this one? I have a list of questions. That's what I've been getting off of. Let me think. Da da da. Covered a lot of good ones. Hmm. Oh, here's one I want to talk about. What would you say is one of the most famous or, yeah, let's do both. The most famous panel of Spider-Man the comic and your favorite panel of Spider-Man comic? Mm, okay, yeah. Um, okay. I would say iconic, probably Spider-Man No More. You know when he has the suit in the trash, he's walking away. And that's probably like one of the most iconic. Or maybe the death of Gwen Stacy is another one. I think. Um, probably, yeah, I would say that those are my top two, like, 
favorite ones um, as far as like direction but i would say one of the most popular ones in my like my favorite ones is um once again you know spider-man coming out of the grave yeah most definitely um so you already know i'm a big venom fan i may be a butt bias here but my favorite is gonna have to be from Amazing Spider-Man Volume One Three Sixteen, where it's a Todd McFarlane one of like Venom just like over Spider-Man. Spider-Man just eating shit and like rubble, and oh, like yeah. Venom I, one I, of them, his face is clenched in blood, and the other one's face is like right at his face. Like that one is a good one. Another one I'd have to say. actually. Wait, do you actually have that one? Mm-hmm. Yep, I can't. Yeah, it's one no, of the no, icons. No. Yeah. I got that. I'd say that one. You need to show me that. <laughs> but yeah, well, um, I'd say that one. And what's it? The one by Eric Larson, where it's like Venom holding like a skull. It has like torn off Spider Man's mask. And he says, Alas, poor Spider Man. Yeah, I killed him well. I really like that one. Oh, yeah. And for the lols and the memes. And yeah, to all my haters listening, I ratioed the fuck out of you of this one. The Rip Bozo one with like, you know, what's it? Craven the Hunter is like over the grave in the suit, basically. And he takes the mask off. And he's just laughing. That is one of my favorite all time panels. But very good ratio material, too, by the way. I'd recommend it if you ever get in those spouts. But <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, the haters always try to keep me lacking. Don't worry. I'm still on my feet. Um, Let me see what else. Yeah, so Buried Alive, Craven Hunter, we talked about. That uh, what else? Hmm. Gwen Stacy's death. What do you feel about the whole symbiote stuff, though? Like we haven't really touched much on that. Like you know, Spider Man like getting the suit. Do you think like we're eventually going to see that for like Tom Holland Spider Man? Hmm. This because is I don't know I, how they're going to make that work. You know, that they're going to try to avoid. I think that the reason they'll try to avoid it is because it's a it's a pretty serious storyline to get involved in. I mean, they sold uh, the fan reactions from Spider-Man Three, and then uh, it was just hinted at in um, Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, but I, I think that they'll hopefully do that in the next Tom Holland trilogy. I think that'll be done well i mean now that he's got like the homemade suits and stuff like that i think it'll be interesting to see um but yeah i i think it's a it's not necessarily it's not a tough storyline but like there's just certain aspects of it that have to be right you know he's it's it's an alien it is an alien and the fact that it takes over his mind and and really affects him to like have those like outbursts of anger and stuff like that. like they did it really well in um in Spider-Man 3 I think with his outbursts of anger not necessarily saying that I condone um hitting women at all but uh you know <laughs> that was a side yeah, effect of the symbiote the bomb. was him, uh taking yeah. it out on uh uh Mary Jane after you know he started riffing it out on the piano magically 
I've always been yeah, confused about Symbiote, though, in that sense. Like, is it inside of you as a person, or is it on a suit? Because there's some variations where it's just, like, in the suit, and there's other where it's, like, inside of him, if that makes any sense. Like, in his veins and stuff. See, I think it's one... I, I think it's almost one and the same. I think it has to be both. Because it affects his mind. And not necessarily saying that it's inside of him, like, you know, all the way, but it's got to affect him mentally, because uh, it changes his... His entire personality, um, and I think that that's really going to be interesting to see how they play that out if they do. Um, and I mean, we've got the new Spider-Man game coming out, so we'll see how they uh, they deal with that. But I've already seen clips where they've really just you know dealt with the symbiote powers and stuff like that, where he's really just the suit is alive. It's not just um on him he really just has a, a different set of a different set of powers how do you feel about tom hardy's portrayal of venom you think he did decent or good like um ah, it's tough to say i would say yes and no because I think that that series just exposes Sony. Because uh, it's more of the lethal protector than it is Venom uh, that we know. It's It really is just his own universe being... Um, where he's like the anti-hero. So, I mean, it is what it is. Not my favorite depiction. I would say that it's too jokey. You know what I mean? It's just too... He's my... I'd say he's my fe- favorite Eddie Brock, but not my favorite yeah. Venom, if that makes any sense. Where I think Eddie Brock portrayal was really good. Whereas that cocky, arrogant prick that's a bit prideful, but he like deep down cares at times. And then you have Venom, where I don't like Venom. It was too... It suffered too much of the whole Marvel syndrome, where it's like you always gotta have a joke or a quip in at any moment, even if like really serious scenes, or it's like, alright, you just broke the tension now. It's like, this is supposed to be like a deep scene. And then you have four yeah. over here in the corner for one line there. I'm like, why? Like, that wasn't needed. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I really just, I think that they designed Venom well, in a way. I mean, they gave him toes, which is really interesting. But I would say that Carnage looked really good. That. The story <laughs> of, of Carnage was really kind of unfortunate. I think that Woody Harrelson had more in him than they uh, they kind of let happen. It's the PG-13 you can't yeah. have Carnage in a PG thirteen movie. That makes no sense to me. Like it's yeah, I'd have to agree. Things. I think that if you want to appeal to dude, like I'm gonna be honest, like you know, one of the greatest like comic movies of all time, The Watchmen. Like Oof. they stuck so to the origin of the comic, and that movie was amazing. I mean, the director's cut. I will sit there and watch an additional hour because it was so good. <laughs> like. It, it it that's what they need to do they stick to what it is if you want it to to be amazing uh and i don't care if it's anyone like, wants to disagree with I'm me there like, no i was like i'm not even in disagreement like i'm one of the biggest like modern age deadpool haters you'll find because i just hate what they've done to deadpool as a character but like even i have to admit that was a smart move making deadpool rated r and it became one of the biggest grossing rated r movies ever because yeah, you can't have yeah. Deadpool as a PG-13 character. You know what I mean? That's just not Deadpool, then. Mm-hmm. Like, like he says, like, yeah. fucked up jokes and humor. Yeah. Like, there was a scene where, like, he's chopping up these, like, Yakuza dudes. 
he like slices one dude's throat open and gets blood in his eyes and he's like on the floor like trying to feel for something to wipe his face and he picks up one of sumo dudes like fucking like low cloth covering his junk and like wipes his eyes of it and he goes Scoutmaster oh, thomas and he looks up and he gets like absolutely decked i'm like all right you guys i'll give you that one for including that joke in there that's it's fucked up but it's a good joke for like yeah. deadpool yeah i think that hmm. um i think that i would have to agree uh for sure, it just needs to be rated R. If it was rated R, I think it'd be better. I think that they, the people that they have directing these movies, like they have to be aware and they have to care about the character. I think that just hiring someone because they're good at directing movies doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a great comic book movie creator. Like I mean, like dude, Zack Snyder, perfect example. You can hate on Zack Snyder all you want. You could say that he doesn't understand characters, but that's okay because he admits to that. He literally says he created the character. He like how he depicted Superman in his movies was dark and kind of a- aggressive at sometimes. And then the direction that they're going for with um, James Gunn is going to be more of like a happy-go-lucky Superman. Um, but I-, I-, I think that Zack Snyder had it right. I mean, he did. He cared about the movie. It was dark, and that's just his tone of all of his movies. It was dark. Um, and so I, I think that, and Sam Raimi also, I think, you know, his movies is just, he's also, I mean, kind of a horror icon. So, like, he his movies are kind of dark. Um, Spider-Man was kind of like the oddball where he had, you know, kind of that lighter tone to it. I think that his most unique and, like, off-character of himself movie was Spider-Man 3, unfortunately. I think that was just him having to to Aviarod. I think that that guy is the Spider-Man killer. Just saying. And you can look him up. He's almost on every project. He is a terrible, terrible person. He's the guy who killed Spider-Man. He is the Spider-Man killer. Aviarod? Oh. He's a a producer. Um, But for some reason, I feel like he's got his claws wrapped around. Um, spider-man projects and i just there's a lot of backstage drama too about people like that who are kind of like even like today like what's it toby mcguire the actor didn't really like to make statements on spider-man 3 but years later he came out like you know kind of like in a ramble he's pretty pissed being like yeah we got fucked over where basically they cut our time for production like in half and they're just like saying like rush it and do all these things like that he's like i didn't want that like they originally correct me if i'm wrong but didn't they want like a spider-man 4 but then oh, they got denied that. So like, What's yeah, up? It's gonna be Vulture. Yeah, and then instead they shoved it all into one movie, and it was like, "Well, why are you doing that?" It would have been better if you like paced out the villains too. Like, um, I think me looking sure John Malkovich was supposed to be yeah. Vulture. So, yeah, that would have been phenomenal, John Malkovich Vulture. But <laughs> been I give you mean. There's some directors that are just you know they ain't it. You know what I mean? Like. What's it? What's the guy's name for Thor Ragnarok? Tycho, what was it? What? Yeah. What it? Tiki. Tycho, I can never yeah, say his Tycho, name. Yeah, he he's just um. I don't think he's a very serious director in some aspects. Like, I mean, it's hard to say, man, because I thought that uh, the latest Thor was just a bummer. Because yeah. I thought Thor Ragnarok no. was one of the best movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that they've had. It's the issue with him was he tried to do the same thing twice, mm-hmm. but like it's just it didn't work because you're taking a very serious 
arguably stronger than Thanos, tenfold villain, then, you know, and putting him in a Thor setting with, like, the same jokes and humor. I'm like, I hate to put it like that, but when you have a character literally named Gore, the God Butcher, he doesn't sound like a type of, like, villain. He can, like, make quick jokes around and stuff like that. And, and it's just, they kind of neutered him, especially had Christian Bale acting. I thought that would have been phenomenal, but... Oh, yeah. Especially... Yeah, for anyone, if you haven't, I know we're still talking Spider-Man, but, like, read that Thor comic if you want to. It's on YouTube, like, a two-hour video of it, like, the actual comic book. It's insane what they had to do to beat him. Like, they need three different versions and variations of Thor just to even come close to scratching him, because he was just, like, so, like, OP at that point. But, speaking of, um, one more thing, because we're going to be wrapping up soon, but what would you say is... Spider-Man's, I guess, most strongest villain, like someone who's just like broken. Like, yeah, there's no way you just take him on by himself. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, do you think it's Spot? I think Spot's pretty strong. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. I would say. Like, all right, what what level of, like, strong? Like, literally strong, or, like, I would say, man, I don't know. Hmm. Doc Ock? I think. You say Doc Ock? He, like, I mean, he steals his life. Yeah, that is true. He becomes superior Spider-Man. Yeah. Hashtag best Spider-Man, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is really good Spider-Man. It's a great story as well. Uh, man, I don't know. Him? That's tough. I, I would say Doc Ock's probably one of my one of my favorite, like, stronger villains. Oh, yeah. I think he, I think he's kind of like a goofball in, like, in, in uh, some of the media as well. But I think that, you know, he really is just super, super, super smart. And I think that that's kind of underplayed. Um, but I mean, like, all, uh, ultimately, all of the stuff that kind of, like, Mysterio was really, really cool in uh, in how he, like, did the mind games with Spider-Man. It's really what happens, like, that, like if, you, if you're able to get inside of his head and, and change things like that with him, I think that you're automatically, like, a really high-ranked villain. So I think, yeah, Doc Ock, for me personally, I think... Uh, other than Green Goblin, I would say that Doc Ock is uh, pretty powerful in the fact that he literally became Peter Parker. Yeah, definitely, I'd say that. Um, yeah, this has been a really good podcast episode. Um, do you have any closing comments or anything else you want to say along with like the character of Spider Man? You know, recommendations, anything like that? Um, yeah, I would say uh, thank you for having me. First of all, I know we've been talking came to fruition uh, so i appreciate you for that um to all the community uh, you know support this guy he works his ass off to uh, and then for all the spider-man fans that tuned in i would just say uh look out for the you know friendly neighborhood spider-man on october 20th spider-man 2 game you know with that thank you for having me yeah yeah thank you again all right, everybody, you tuned in to our most recent episode of Requiem Radio. Stop by next time. We'll have more guests on in the future. Thank you again for attending. This has been Solo Requiem, signing out.